The North London rivalry between Arsenal and Tottenham dates back over 100 years. And while they'd love to be fighting each other for trophies, the current reality is that both are in the mix for Champions League qualification and that success or failure could define and shape their immediate future. Will Mikel Arteta get a huge boost as he looks to rebuild the club or will Spurs be able to convince Antonio Conte that they are a potential challenger for the league one day and that he isn't just slumming it despite the space age surroundings at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. The Data Doctor will see you now. Jake Olskathorpe from InfoGoals with us once again. Jake Antonio Conte linked with the move to PSG recently. Those rumours are always going to be in the background. Presumably, Conte will use that speculation to strong-arm Daniel Levy into investing more in the team. Um, yeah, possibly. Um, I, do, I don't know about you, Kev, but I, I do find it quite amusing that Conte, of all people, has been linked with a PSG job. I mean... He does not tend to work too well with some massive egos um, from his track record. So heading to Paris would be a bit of a, a, bit of a shock to me. Um, but he is a win now guy. I mean, this is a guy that's impatient. He wants to win trophies. He wants to be at a big club that's fighting for things. And at the moment, he's obviously going for top four with Tottenham and there's possibly an opportunity to build after that. But having somebody like Daniel Levy who I know has made signings like Kulusevski and Bentancur and that's a really good start but he wants that to continue and if Daniel Levy steps back and says well okay we've we're okay with what we've got that's not going to wash with Conte absolutely not no I completely agree with that I think he he he's shown I know that the results recently haven't been great but he's shown since his appointment that he can get the ship pointing in the right direction and make Spurs very competitive um he just needs backing. He really does because ultimately that Spurs team that he took over and arguably the team that Nuno took over just, it was past its cycle. It needed re- rejuvenating. Um, and as you said, they started the process with Benton Kour, Kulosevsky coming in. They need at least another four or five players uh, at the very least to sort of make them anywhere near the levels of competitiveness Conte will want. Well, they um, haven't even signed Matteo Darmian yet. True, he's still. I'm sure Ashley Young will be knocking around as well. Um, <laughs> his old favourites, and obviously there's rumours of Christian Eriksen coming back in as well. Who obviously worked with Conte into that would yeah. be a great signing, given what we've shown at, at Brentford. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's an interesting predicament because we know what Conte is like. Um, he walked out on Inter Milan after winning the title, so I'm pretty sure he'd be happy to walk out on Spurs if he finished fourth or fifth. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's it's a fascinating end to the season for for both Tottenham and Arsenal because there is so much at stake for both. Obviously, Arsenal missed out on uh, on, on Champions League football for a while now. Spurs, yeah, they they, they really need it, especially with all the financial uh, outgoings of paying for the stadiums, etc. And if they want to attract the players that Conte wants, they are going to need to 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 play in top level of football. Um, yeah, at the minute. The Infocom World has Arsenal around a 63% chance of finishing the top four. They obviously have the points advantage, which means that when it comes to the North London derby, a draw would be a good result for Arsenal. It would see them uh, maintain that lead. But a lot can change. Uh, as, we, as we've seen, it, it, it almost comes across as that neither want to finish in the top four, with Arsenal losing three in a row and then Tottenham 
dropping points in back-to-back games. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's fascinating, uh, really. And, and I think we've got two teams that potentially, whoever kicks finishes in the top four, could really kick on if things are maintained to next season because the core of the t- of both teams, Tottenham and Arsenal, are, are looking fairly strong. Betfair trader and tips to Emmett O'Keefe is part of our starting side again. Emmett, Tottenham and Arsenal, as Jake has alluded to there, have both wobbled at times recently. But those wins for Arsenal against Chelsea, against Manchester United, if anything's going to give them momentum, it's going to be that, isn't it? Absolutely. I think Tottenham, it's something they haven't had a shot in target in each of their last two matches. So kind of, they're going to go the other way. But to kind of Jake's point, I think this is like, it's not just for this. There's some massive few weeks in the future of both clubs because, as well, you have the looming threat of Newcastle coming. Like this is like if, 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 if say, for example, Arsenal aren't in any European competition this year, like given the investment that Newcastle make this summer, like that their odds to make the Champions League will be higher next year than they were at the start of this season. There's no doubt about that. And the same is true for Tottenham. Like the as well at, at, at Arsenal, you've got a, kind of a good young core. The Saka, Smith Rowe, Martinelli. But if if they miss if Arsenal miss that Champions League this year and miss out again next year, you look at those players potentially being picked off. So it's, it's similar, similarly for Tottenham, like they're in a far stronger bargaining position. I think Kane want to leave anyway. But we'll say with Son Young Min and some of their some of their other players and their ability to attract players if they make Champions League this year. So I think like it's you would lean towards Arsenal at the moment, but I just. I think I think this is like this is one of these Champions League races where it's it's it's, it's the stakes are far far higher for both clubs than they usually would be. It's interesting what you say there about Harry Kane because I wonder actually if there's going to be a landing spot for him because yeah. if Erling Haaland goes to Manchester City, which is leaning towards that, we don't know for definite because Real Madrid are believed to still be in the race. You look at Bayern couldn't afford him, I don't think. I'm, I'm, I think that seems to be the way that that's trending. You look at Real Madrid, well, their priorities are elsewhere. You look at Barcelona, maybe, but again, they're, they're broke, really. I'm sure they'll find a way to make <laughs> signings yeah. in the summer. You know, they've, they've they've done that Spotify deal, but, you know, that's He's got the best financial advisors in the world, I think, them people. It's remarkable what, what Barca have been able to do in, in the winter transfer window. But where is he actually going to go? But... I agree with you. He's not going to be wanting to play Europa League next season, is he? Really? Yeah, it's it's, it's three options. As you, you so there's four options actually. You, you outlined because they, they haven't mentioned. So it's obviously Man United would be a very Man United move to be spending <laughs> over a hundred million on a lad nearly thirty who's got a history of injury, and then Ken will suddenly turn into a pumpkin when he joins us. And then, <laughs> and then, would he would he want to go play in the Conference League though? Um, Again, no. I, I guess probably not. Like it was just it just it's what are his options? Like, and I still think. For all United's failings, playing under Ten Hag with a massive budget is a better option than Tottenham. I'm not saying it'll be a, a great choice. Other, the other option will be if, if we'll see who buys Chelsea. But I think I think Kane at this point would probably be prepared to burn his relationship with Spurs fans to get out. I think in, in the kind of pursuit of trophies. So Chelsea with that option. And then also, I think probably possibly the most likely one is PSG in that, especially if, if, if Conte went there. That again, it would, Mbappe leaves as well. Mbappe, exactly. Mbappe leaves. I think this has been talk of Messi going to the States. Like, uh, so there's potentially huge wage, but and then obviously, as we know, PSG have a near unlimited budget. So I think the, and as well, I think it would be the kind of path of least resistance. I don't think Spurs fans would have great enmity towards Kane for joining PSG. So if you, and the fourth option would be the kind of the most, in terms of just who had the money, would be Newcastle. I don't think you can go there. So I think probably of the options there, I think PSG is the most likely. 
Well, Arsenal go to West Ham on Sunday. We don't know at this stage whether West Ham will have won, lost, drawn against Eintracht Frankfurt in the Europa League. In a weird way, it doesn't matter, Jake, because whatever happens, the emotion of that night, the physical battle they're going to have against Frankfurt, they're going to be drained and distracted, whatever happens. It's quite a tough one, isn't it, potentially, this for for. West Ham because their league form's kind of gone down Unai Emery style as they've kind of chased a title. Yeah, it very much has. Um, and, you know, you can't really blame them because if you have said to West Ham fan five years ago, you'll be in a Europa League semi-final playing Frankfurt to get to a final. And then if you win that, you're in the Champions League. They'd think they were dreaming. Um, they, they, West Ham, as bad as it sounds, and obviously as well as they've played, may never get into this position in the European competition ever again. Um, to put it bluntly, just because of the strength of the Premier League. So it makes complete sense for them to grab this with two two hands and really throw all their eggs into that basket because not only would they win a piece of European silverware, but they'd also be in the Champions League for next season, which would make the, the league result completely null and void, wasn't it? So yeah. absolutely makes sense for them to eggs in baskets. We saw against Chelsea last weekend, Antonio, Bowen, Rice were all sat on the bench, they were all rested. Um, I, I think it'll be very similar this weekend against Arsenal. Um, even if they lose 2-3-0 to Frankfurt, I think they'll still believe that they could turn that around in the second leg and still want to rest and you know have a real tilt at that. Which is a bit of a shame, really, because the way in which Man United have been playing the league, even if West Ham would have picked up one extra win, they'd be sat sixth with that comfort blanket of, you know, if we do, if we do get knocked out, we're still in a really good position to finish in the Europa League spots. And there's still maybe a worry. Case. I don't think Manchester United are going anywhere anytime <laughs> yeah. soon. I was going to say, yeah, they've got Chelsea and Brentford next too, haven't they? So they could easily lose both of those. Um, but yeah, that, they, they could still be absolutely well in the hunt for the top six. But um, yeah, it, it, that definitely is something. And it's the same with Leicester, obviously, who obviously play Tottenham on the Sunday as well. They're, they're completely almost not throwing the towel in when it comes to the league, but <clears throat> pretty much near enough focusing on, on European commitments. And, yeah, I think it'll make it a lot... It'll obviously make the West Ham-Arsenal game potentially a lot kinder to Arsenal because of the potential rotation. Um, not discounting the, the sort of strength and in-depth that West Ham have because there, there is... You know, they can bring in some good players uh, off the bench. Obviously, you are losing a lot when Antonio, Bowen and Rice don't play. But Yarmolenko is more than capable of a moment of magic. Um, I think the big key and big issue really is the is the, is it centre-half for West Ham right now yeah. where they are you know massively short on bodies. Um, and quality, you know, what, what did he play last weekend? Was it a back five with Cresswell and um, who played right centre half? Was it Fredericks or? Yeah, if you br- um, if you bring in, uh, it might have been Johnson maybe, but if you Johnson, bring in, yeah, and Dawson down in the centre, and yeah, yeah, if you're bringing fullbacks <coughs> into those centre half positions, then it, it can trouble. be tricky, can't it? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously the markets reacted um, to to that team news to the. Obviously, the potential rotation, the resting of West Ham, and that's why Arsenal are around one point eight two to win this on the exchange. Now, if you were looking, and if, if there was no midweek action whatsoever, if there was no European commitments, you'd look at that price and think that is just way too short. That is way too short, and um, partly because you'd probably put West Ham on a similar level to Arsenal when they play the full strength teams. Um, so we would usually expect West Ham to be maybe marginal favourites in that game, maybe Arsenal slight favourites. Uh, push, but with everything discussed, it yeah, the Arsenal price does start to look a little bit big. Um, not only because of the West Ham situation, but they, as you said, they 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 beat Man United last week. 
They went to Chelsea and won. Uh, and won quite convincingly, I might add. I, I thought they were really impressive in that game against Chelsea. Um, but I, I was just going to take a more of a potentially safer approach in this game. Because while West Ham have, you know, they will rotate, move players around, at home they've been really strong this season. Um, even after Euro European midweek matches, um, I think they've averaged around 1.8 expected goals for per game, which is a really strong attacking process. And what we have seen from Arsenal away from home is that they do give you chances. They're, they're not as ruthless as the, the best teams in the league when it comes to playing away from home. The process is nowhere near the likes of Chelsea, Liverpool, City when on the travels. Um, and they will they will give chances, even if it is a second-string West Ham. So I was looking at both teams to score, which is around 1.85 on the exchange. Um, just as a little alternative to backing Arsenal to win, because I think there is a lot of risk in that, because we have seen what Arsenal are capable of, uh, or what they're not capable of when playing away from home. Um, so yeah, I, th I do think that, that we could be in for quite an entertaining game, but I think both teams to score is the safer option uh, in this one, and, and obviously it's landed in in the games against Manchester United and Chelsea most recently. Two teams that you would put West Ham in the sort of ballpark with. I miss. Is that the way you see it? Is this a bit of a Trap if you back Arsenal at odds on here. Yeah, I, I think just Arsenal are just with with the without Thomas Partey and the likes of kind of Nuno Tavares and kind of Cedric types playing at fullback. I think Arsenal are just vulnerable defensively. They just it's. LSD. I mean, Nuno Tavares is a, is is an extraordinary player. There's definitely ah, there's, is, yeah. you know he's young. There's potential, but he does some mad things. Ah, he's he? he's absolute maverick. He's he's kind of a he'd be, he'd be I, I nearly he's a player. Not quite Andre Santos is harsh from now, but like he's kind of like he's from that kind of comedy, <laughs> comedy Arsenal era, playing in this kind of more polished kind of a high quality Arteta team. Yeah, he's he's kind of a definite definite cult hero potential. Um, just to get into the, uh, Jake mentioned about the kind of West the angle out here. Just Jake mentioned about West Ham's kind of defensive absences. I was just looking maybe it might be worth a look at Gabriel Magalhaes to to, to 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 score anytime. I think like he's he's been consistently a threat from set pieces all year for Arsenal. He's kind of he's relatively high up in the kind of XG figures for centre halves. He's he, he scored three league goals, and just like if he's being marked by the likes of Aaron Cresswell or something, this this would be a real opportunity for him. He's currently only maybe seven to one to score any time in our sports book, but I reckon he might get closer to kind of nine to one in the exchange, where it could be a fair bet. And then if you can get yeah, then similarly if you can get maybe twenty five to one ish in the exchange to score for, I think that that'd be fair as well. So that would be the angle I'd take. He's got a touch of the Serge Aurier about him, Nuno Tavares. One of those guys that could play really well for 89 minutes and then he'll hack somebody in the box for no apparent reason. You go, why has he done that? Yes, exactly. So we'll see if it turns out that way. Aurier has made a decent career out of it. Nevertheless, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet. So Betfair is now offering no cash out suspensions on match odds over, under and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. As for Tottenham, they're at home to Leicester. Jake's already alluded to the fact that Leicester are concentrating on their Conference League semi-final against Roma. At time of recording, we don't know how that's worked out. But Jake, it does seem like a big opportunity for Spurs this, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And they need they need a, um, a bounce back because the last two performances, not just the results, but the actual performances have been pretty woeful. Um, I think as... As we've discussed, the shots on target issue, just not having any in two matches over against Brighton and Brentford is, is a real issue. But the um, the fact that they only created 0.6 expected goals in both matches is astonishing uh, for a team that were racking up around two expected goals per game before that. So um, very strange the way it just sort of kind of ground to a halt all of a sudden. 
without any signal like signs or signals of a, of a potential drop off incoming is that fear um, is it tiredness what do we think that might be um i think it could be the latter to be honest kev uh, the, the tiredness factor i know that they're obviously not playing in midweek but um the way in which conte's probably drilling them on the training ground um you know even from back in november it's probably cashing up with them because i think the first thing he said i know all managers kind of say that as cliche that they, they're not fit enough to players but Conte came out and said that they're not fit enough and started doing all these kind of different training drills, they're eating differently, etc. All of that will have had an impact um, on the players' fitness, legs. Um, and, you know, they, they, while they have sort of strengthened the squad a little bit in January, it's still a very thin squad. Um, you've, still gonna, you've still got Kane and Son um, and Kulosevsky playing a lot of minutes. Um, uh, as well as the likes of uh, Hoiberg and, and Bentoncourt. There's a lot of, uh, required of them to play regularly, week in, week out. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think there's there's, there's an issue there with, in terms of potential tiredness. Uh, it definitely could do with a shake-up. You've got injuries impacting that as well, like Doherty's out. So it means there's even more more workload on Emerson Royale. The same on the left-hand side as well. So, um, yeah, potential... It could potentially completely fall apart for Spurs, but I am expecting them to to beat this Leicester team because it will be a second string Leicester team. Um, And the numbers that we've seen from both teams, Tottenham at home, have been excellent. Since Conte took over, only Liverpool and Manchester City have accumulated more expected points per game at home than Tottenham. Um, Their expected goals process is really, really impressive as well, averaging over 2.2 expected goals for per home game. Um, and they're coming up against a lesser team who's got all their eggs in one basket, which is the European one. They are rotating um, and they've got some injuries themselves, which means that that second string that will be rotated in is a little bit weaker. Uh, and away from home this season in the Premier League, uh, it's something we've touched on before. Defensively, Leicester have been absolutely shocking, just in general, but away from home in particular, they've been really, really poor. Um, they've allowed over two expected goals against per game on the road, which is just an astonishing figure. Um, and for context, in general, overall, home and away games, 1.9 expected goals against per game. And last season, when they nearly finished fourth, um, and the season before that, they were running at around 1.3 expected goals against per game. So we've seen a massive uptick in their defensive issues. And, um, you know, the, the, the obvious argument is injuries have played a part, which they have, because obviously, well, Wesley Fofana is a fantastic player. Johnny Evans as well, who would be named, uh, uh, you know, one of the first names on the team sheets when fit been missing for the bulk but they're two of the players that will probably be rotated in this match um, to keep them fresh for that European game so they probably won't be playing which would make them potentially a little bit stronger so trying to get Tottenham on side um, obviously quite short just to win the game with everything that I've discussed but um, I, I thought it'd be worth chancing Tottenham to win with a minus one Asian handicap head start uh, which is around 1.8 so it basically means if Tottenham win by exactly one goal so 1-0 2-1 one, 3-2 then we uh, we get our money back if they win by two goals or more which I think that they're more than capable of doing against this Leicester defence um, then we get a, a full winner um, and it is worth noting that Tottenham this bet has won in quite a lot of uh, home matches under Conte um, for, for Spurs this season and Leicester themselves as I've said away from home just shipping chances left and right just a note, by the way, to the egg marketing board and indeed any basket manufacturers who are out there, Jake is available for public appearances and any advertising campaigns uh, that you might want him for. Too many eggs baskets for you, Kevin. <laughs> just a few, just a few. Okay. Uh, a couple of rare Bundesliga games coming up on Monday because of the Europa League. I'm going to back RB Leipzig to win and over one and a half goals on the Sportsbook's bet builder at Evens. Gladbach have nothing to play for 
score. They've been appalling this season. Lots of players looking at the exit door, winding the season down. Leipzig have been excellent away from home in the Bundesliga recently, won five on the spin. Almost all of Gladbach's games this season, I think it's 28 out of 31, uh, featured at least two goals. So I can see Leipzig uh, not only winning that game, uh, but it being quite a lively win as well. If you do go for that, worth bearing in mind that our fantastic Ackers and Bet Builders offer is running every day. Bet £10 on Ackers or Bet Builders and receive a £2 free bet to use on Ackers or Bet Builders. T's and C's apply them also going to back by Leverkusen uh, minus 1.5 on the Asian handicap against Eintracht Frankfurt at 2.12. Frankfurt have basically junked the league in search of the Europa League. Their recent eggs in baskets, eggs in baskets indeed. See, yeah. he's thinking about the adverts already. Leverkusen won 4-1 last weekend against Greutherford. It's a huge chance for them to move a step closer to Champions League qualification. Jake, all eyes on Frank Lampard on Sunday, your favourite manager, as his Everton side takes on his old club, Chelsea. It's just an enormous game, isn't it, given the fact that Everton have slipped into the bottom three? Oh, it's massive, absolutely massive. And uh, I guess what could make it worse for, for Lampard is that it's, old, it's his old team that could really do some damage. Um, you know, Chelsea in town, um, they've admittedly not much to play for in the league, but... Away from home, they've been absolutely fantastic this season. They've won 11 of 16, lost just two. Uh, and their away XG process at 1.77 expected goals for 1.02 again. So they're creating a load of chances and conceding very few. Um, and yet, yeah, ultimately, Everton could go into this game two o'clock on Sunday um, and they could be five points adrift to Burnley, which uh, which would be safety. And that, and that that is... You know, massive uphill task for for Lampard and Everton, particularly as we, we've already discussed the the, the the running that they have, uh, which is very difficult starting with this game. Um, and yeah, it, it's hard to make a case for Everton um, to win any football match at the minute. I, I know that they they were they did okay um, against Liverpool, didn't they? Uh, yeah, for an hour they played well. Gordon was good outlet before he kept hurling himself to the floor for some reason <laughs> on a regular basis. But apart from that, yeah. I thought he played really well, and they looked okay but ultimately they were always going to get pushed aside weren't they yeah i mean i've wrote down two words to sum up that performance which was competitive and the second word was disappointing because they were you know they, they battled very well with liverpool but it's just not enough ultimately they, they they've not got enough to create enough to create any good chances um and they conceded the defense isn't good enough to keep out the good chances um it's going to be the case again this weekend, I think, because while they have three wins, uh, three home wins on Lampard out of six games, they came against Leeds, Newcastle uh, and Manchester United. And I'd say the only impressive win in there was probably Newcastle, down to 10 men, scored a late winner. Um, Manchester United, you know, we've discussed enough about what, what kind of shape that they're in currently. Um, and, and you know, their XG process at home is okay. It's actually positive under Lampard, which um, may come as a surprise. Averaging 1.07 expected goals for, 0.93 against. So few chances at either end, really, is, is the trend. Um, which brings me on to my first bet, which is under two and a half goals at 1.95. Um, now, I know in the Saturday pod, we discussed about relegation candidates and trying to play more on the front foot, but we haven't seen that from, from Everton uh, at home at all under Lampard they've been very I was, cautious I was going to ask you about this Jake because I, I compensated on the on the Merseyside derby last weekend and in the prep for that I was looking at some of the data 
And the data, if you compare it between Lampard and Benitez, fewer shots on target, fewer touches in the opposition box, fewer shots in general, I think it was, um, um, allowing the opposition more shots on target. So this idea that there's been this kind of new manager bounce it just doesn't stack up, does it? No, no, they're down on pretty much every category, um, which you know may not come as a surprise. As soon as you're going from Rafa Benitez, who's won pretty much everything there is to win, to Frank Lampard, who hasn't know, nearly got a promotion <laughs> with Derby. Um, yeah, it, 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 you're right to point that out because the the new manager bounce that everyone wanted, the sort of more attack-minded football, which is what the Everton fans thought they were getting when Lampard was appointed, just hasn't transpired. It hasn't come to fruition. Um, there is definitely when they play at home. There's definitely more more fight and tenacity about them um, than I, th- I thought. Towards the end of Rafa's reign, they were very passive um, in, at Goodison Park. At least under Lampard, they are getting the crowd behind them when they're playing at home, which I think is a, is a potentially a big factor, and and it could help them grind a few points here and there. But the underlying numbers suggest that they are keeping games very tight and trying to nick wins, which, as I've discussed on Saturday's podcast, talking about the likes of Watford and Burnley. It's an unsustainable way of playing football. Uh, it's not going to yield consistent results. You might get occasional win like they have against Newcastle, Man United, where they've snuck 1-0 wins. But equally, you'll lose a couple of games by the same margin and, and you're back at square one pretty much. So um, that, that that seems to be the approach that Lampard and Everton are taking. Uh, and I don't see it changing because if they did try to go toe-to-toe with Chelsea, I do think that they would probably lose more often than not. Obviously, as I've said on Saturday's pod, if you create chances... You know, you only need one hot, hot uh, finishing boot to, to score two or three, whereas your opponent might might score only score one, and and that, you know, the variance may swing in your favour the more chances you create. But um, you know, five of their six home matches under Lampard have got under two and a half goals, and I, and I think this is a, a potential for another one. The other bet is it, it seems so obvious, Chelsea to win the game. You know, the price you can get currently on the exchange is one point eight, so four to five for Chelsea to go away from home against the third worst team in the league. Now, just for some context, I went through this season, um, Chelsea away matches just to get some prices for for other away games they played. At Wolves, Chelsea went off at 1.78. Villa, 1.73. Crystal Palace, 1.7. Brighton, 1.69. Norwich, 1.37. And Burnley, 1.5. So effectively, the market is saying that Everton have got a better chance of getting something uh, against Chelsea than all of those teams and barring Norwich and probably Burnley when Chelsea went to Burnley the other four teams are all decent teams they're all within that sort of 7th to 14th range in terms yeah. of the Premier League and they're all miles better than Everton so immediately that makes that price of a Chelsea win stand out and um, look really really big um, because there's every chance that they could go to, to Everton and do similar to what Manchester City did which you know I know there was some controversy about the penalty um, not being given but Manchester City were absolutely dominant in that game, created nearly two expected goals and deserved to win that match. Um, and, and I can see Chelsea doing similar. And They're fairly hot away from home, Chelsea, right now. I think they've won the last four um, by an aggregate of 14-1. Obviously put six past Southampton, four past Burnley. Um, I think it was three at Norwich. So they've beaten two teams in and around Everton quite convincingly away from home recently. And, and I don't think this is going to be any different. And finally, Emmett has a selection for us from Liga. Yeah, I won't. I won't pretend to be kind of a French league league on expert, but kind of 
even a casual fan, I, I kind of feel like Leon are one of the most kind of underperforming teams in Europe. If you just look at their kind of oh yes, <laughs> their, yeah, their player kind of transfer mark values like so Lucas Paqueta, Moussa Dembele, Usama Rar, who's been obviously linked, linked with Arsenal, other kind of Premier League clubs, and yet they're kind of sitting in eight, eighth in French League One against kind of a, but behind teams who who kind of um, who far less less resources and talent than they do. But in, in the second half of the season, their expected goals figures have been quite good, but they just really haven't converted that into results. And that was kind of, again, an evidence in their tie against West Ham in, in the Europa League. But they, one thing they do well is they are involved in extremely high-scoring games. They're kind of, this season, um, their matches are averaging around, around, around three goals a game in French League. And actually, in their last three matches, there have been 17 goals and play against a kind of a Jorge Sampaoli-led Marseille, Marseille team. I just think this would be a very, very open and hopefully high-scoring affair. And given all of that, like beat both teams to score over two and a half goals coming out at just under four to five, and that looks that and that looks a more than fair fair bet to me. Yeah, Peter Boss always has an attacking approach. It doesn't always work, but it's always fun to see. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Remember, every single Premier League game gets its own dedicated preview on betting.betfair.com. We've got the Championship, League One, League Two. We've got all of the major European leagues as well. And there's plenty of other content too. Plenty of racing, plenty of golf previews. From Jake, from Emmett and from me, it's goodbye for now.